It's time for Sweaty Upper, Upper Lip. Lip, where girls talk about sports, tailor-made for girls. The Ladies' Edition. Welcome to the show. You are listening to Moni here on Sweaty Upper Lip. And in studio with me, we've got April, Taylor and Saskia. It's our first episode and we're going to be talking about horse racing and the lack of females that's sort of in the industry. I know we've all heard of Gay Waterhouse and Michelle Payne, but other than that... Ladies, there's, there's nobody else. Well, it's a definitely, like, it's a, it's a great sport. However, I do think horse racing is one of the only sports in the world when where men and women actually compete against each other. Because just thinking now at the top of my head, I don't think any other sports do. Not in the same league, no, because, you know, you've got um, trainers and, and obviously some jockeys as well. They all compete in the same events same horse race i mean yeah same events same division yeah no split but yet there's not enough ladies that do it like yeah off the top of my head i only know two people but yeah i think one of it's crazy i think one of the key issues we're seeing in this is more less related to the actual number of female jockeys that there are because yes there is less female jockeys than male jockeys but it's also that the female jockeys there are aren't getting enough a good enough proportion of the rides in quality well, races. Well, why do you reckon that is though like do you reckon it's just because of our body type i don't know this could be like a general to be a honest, gender stereotype mm, but to be like, honest, i think well, what could it be well obviously like horse racing is a very male dominated sport and i think it's a very traditional sport so naturally there are definitely some cultural hurdles that need to be overcome in this day and age and um look Diane Crump, she was a previous horse riding, ri- horse riding jockey. She definitely broke the gender barrier at the Kentucky Derby in 1970. She, 95 years after the first Derby, she was, she was actually the first female jockey to ride in the Kentucky Derby. Mm. And that's 75 years after the first Derby, which is huge. So obviously there's definitely going to be more but male. Since th- but since then, how many other females that we know of that you know, has made any record-breaking? Not many. Michelle Payne won the Melbourne Cup back in 2015, I think it was. And that was a big thing and everyone was, you know, jumping on the bear wagon and everyone was happy and excited. Like, for us females, like, we're all excited, you know. No one's ever won the Melbourne Cup as a female. And no one... No one even gave her the chance. No one gave her an opportunity. I mean, I know they did in the end, but, like, no one backed her. No one supported her. And that's the part that, that yeah. yep. for all those me, listening, but there's who, not enough. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And for all those out there who don't know who Michelle Payne is, just a bit of background on her. Well, she's actually an inspiration to young female jockeys. She won the Melbourne Cup in 2015 and was the first and only female jockey in that race. So she was the first female to win a huge race like that. So she made history, um, and despite her pr- um, proven determination and talent, some of the owners, she said after the race, that some owners didn't actually want her to be in that race just because she was a female. So she was treated, like, during her um, horse riding career, she was um, treated as an outsider because she was born female. And then trainer Darren Way gave her the chance by letting her ride Prince of Penzance. I think that's how you yeah. pronounce it. And, she, well, now she's a national icon and yeah. um, she's an inspiration to all the young riders out there. Yeah, so as you were saying, she was the only jo- female jockey in that Melbourne Cup that she won. And the Melbourne Cup is obviously Victoria's biggest horse race and probably Australia's biggest horse race and most yeah, well-known. stops known. the nation. That's what everybody knows about. Yeah. And it doesn't we, stop me, though. <laughs> we do see, on average, it is only one female jockey generally at best that will make the field and like last year's Melbourne Cup field didn't have any female jockeys at all and so 
when it comes to these real top-level races, the female jockeys aren't breaking in. When you go to things like country races, which is on a much lower level, or amateur racing, female jockeys are a lot more prevalent there. And even in the jockey premiership, um, Linda Meach, who's a really good um, Victorian female jockey, she's on top of the jockey premiership when you combine the city stats and the country stats. But when you just look at the Vic Metro Jockey Premiership, she's not even in the top 10. Yeah, so it's really the women, like there's a lot of women jockeys out there, but they just haven't been given the opportunity to break into the big races. Because I know I read a, I read an article a few days ago um, and I read it about the, uh, it was like the Western Australian um, regional um, races or the mm-hmm. regional season and it did say that the women jockeys actually outnumbered the men mm-hmm. in these regional races which is surprising considering only what one out of a hundred um, women jockeys well one out of a hundred um, jockeys and races there's only mm. one woman yeah yeah well I know I think you got that stat from an article that you sent to me about a study that they'd done in the UK that found that there was only one in a hundred female jockeys that got rides in top level but races. What do you reckon they have to do? Like what what do female jockeys have to do? Do you reckon to get more sort of jockey time on no race time or into the main events or you know I in think, the upper level? Yeah, I think largely it's linked to the traditions of the sport because horse racing is a very traditional yeah. sport and I think we will see it change because there are a lot more younger female jockeys coming through in the apprentice programs. They're full of young women jockeys who are coming up and as so is it, you reckon it's just sort of based around a, a sort of a time factor? Yeah, and to be honest, like, um, women couldn't compete until, until 1968. So horse ra- racing has been what? Um, it's been around for centuries. Well, be 50 years. Yeah, 50 years. Oh, last year. Yeah. Well, it's been around for a long time. And, um, it, it like, it, it, they weren't allowed to actually um, compete until Kathy Kuzner sued the Maryland Racing Commission for a jockey licence. And that was in 1968. So... Yeah, and I think it was even later in Australia or Victoria that women were allowed to ride. I think it was 1979 when the first official uh, jockey's licence was given to a woman. And before that, we actually did have a few female jockeys ride, but they all dressed up as men, kind of uh, National Velvet style, if you've seen that movie, Um, which is just crazy to think about. And it is sort of what we see in a lot of areas of society, not just sport, And I think women are making leaps and bounds and diversity is coming quickly now. So I, you know, you hope with horse racing that we are going to see change. The good thing about horse racing is like right now, I feel like we're in that sort of development stage where the future looks exciting. And I think that's sort of been helped purely because of this, you know, the outbreaking, like the outstanding performances, thanks to, you know, Michelle Payne, who won the Melbourne Cup. It gives young girls beliefs that they can, you know, do what they love, riding a horse, jumping on, you know, doing the events and, you know, but also competing. And then, hold on one second. And then the other, you know, good thing that's sort of helping is that, you know, Gay Waterhouse, she is a phenomenal trainer, phenomenal Mm -hmm. um, owner of all her horses. It's also giving other young girls, okay, maybe you can't, you know, become a jockey, but you can still, con- you know, contribute to horse racing and to horses and do something you love. So I think now is like the perfect time to see how many more girls we can get through the gates, not just to support horse racing, but even just to, to compete, to, you know, jump on the back of a horse and do something. So I think like the next couple of 
you know, then maybe the next decade really will show how females in horse racing can go, and that's what's exciting, I think. Yeah, no, I, also think, I also think it's really interesting as um, it's a time when the Me Too and the, um, and the Time's Up movements have, expo- like, have exposed, like, the inappropriate and often illegal treatment of women. So it's actually really It's like perfect timing. Yeah, it's perfect timing for actually women to step out of the shell and actually, well, they, well and actually step up like and prove to society that they're here to compete. They're here to be a part of the industry and they can't just be blown blow, blowed off. Yeah, I think we're seeing cultural shifts in a lot of facets of society as well because there is a lot of pressure on racing to sort of transform their image away from the historical sort of belief that there was kind of dodgy animal welfare goings-ons and racing authorities are working really hard to change that and I think part of that could help women's cause because they've had to sort of redefine their image and step a bit away from those the traditional male-run sport of kings as it used to be called and make it a more inclusive and diverse um, sport to attract a new audience to them as it's been losing popularity. What amazes me though like talking about the Melbourne Cup real quickly you know people you see hundreds of women there you know, bringing their families along, kids, you know, boys and girls, and they go, they watch the races, you know, probably when they're little they have no idea what's going on. But Mm. the fact that there's so many going to the event to watch it, surely that must mean people are interested and that must mean that they want to see more females in it because, you know, I wouldn't go to the horse racing if I didn't didn't know there was going to be more females in it, you know, because for me it's just a horse going around a track. Like I know that's as cliche as it can be, but... The fact that there's so many females there to support an event that's so traditionally just male-driven, surely the next generation's coming through. Yeah, yeah. well, I think with the Me Too movement, um, as we were saying, I think this actually opens gates and allows women to now step up and actually stand up for themselves and their rights in the horse racing industry. You know, the the year after Michelle um, won the Melbourne Cup, the most amount of females went to the Melbourne Cup, which I thought was actually pretty incredible. I read that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well... Clearly, we want to see females win. So, you know, to the horse racing community, get more female jockeys. Yeah, Moni, I think um, on what you were saying before with um, a lot of women going to the Melbourne Cup, I think, like, the problem is there's, like, a stereotype that women are only there for the fashions on the field events and stuff like that. And I think maybe that's part of the reason. So, you know, you're saying, you know, women should be all into the fashion. That's their thing, whereas the men's thing is the racing. And I think... Maybe that's part of the problem. We need to kind of dismantle that and kind of merge those things together. You're exactly right, and I think also it's just it's been the last few years. There's a change of thinking. Yeah, it's been a lot of men sort of morph into that. You know, the fashion in the fashion side more than the actual. Obviously, Michelle Payne, and like not even like a bit off topic, but not even talking about horse racing here. We've had the AFL Women's Start. We've had the Big Bash for Women's. like a lot of other sports have really stepped up, which actually is they they lead as a great example for the horse racing industry. Exactly, exactly it, what I was going to say yeah. is that considering that AFLW have come out, VFLW have come out, the netball series is going up really, really well. Surely the horse racing can, you know, I'm not saying they have to create another league just for females, but get more female jockeys, get more female trainers to get, you know, people through the gates. I think with this movement now, I think it it's also the time. yeah, but it also opens up more opportunities for women. Mm if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think with each new sport that 
puts support behind its women, it puts pressure on all the other sports to do the same because otherwise, you know, women are 50% of the population and if you don't treat them right in today's climate, you're going to lose their support. And horse racing particularly is something that can't afford to do that because it is so based on, I guess, the attention that it gets and it's based on the crowds that come. And if people aren't supporting the sport, it's just going to fall away. I've got a question to put to you guys. Between Gay Waterhouse and Michelle Payne, obviously two outstanding females in horse racing, who do you think um, has sort of, oh, what's the way to put it, like the best female in the horse racing in the last 10 years out of the two of them, who do you guys would say outstanding? To be honest, I'd say Michelle Payne. I, th- I think she's been given a lot more media coverage. Yeah. And the fact that she won the Melbourne Cup and it was kind of positioned in the media that she was only the f- she was the first female to win. She was the only female in that race. And I just think it just gives the younger female jockeys out there someone to look up to. If that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd I agree. Um, I think obviously they're different because Michelle Payne is a jockey and Gay Waterhouse is I know, a trainer. A little controversial yeah. there. They're both, they're both inspirational women and they're both amazing women and should yeah. be given, like, obviously the same. Like, we should all think of it. We should think of them as the same, really. Yeah, I think in some ways, perhaps training for people who think about it, it appears, seems more like um, based on the lifestyle you're born, in, born into and the money that you have and. It's probably not accurate, but I don't know. Michelle Payne just, it's just a bit different. She seems like she works so hard. Her work ethic is incredibly impressive. I've read a book about her and the things she's been through in her life are just unthinkable That to think that she keeps on going. She won the Melbourne Cup. The year later, had an injury. She fell off the horse, hurt herself, and then took a year off the, the, the sport, came back, had a race, didn't finish, but she still continued to, to keep on going to mm. keep yeah. finishing well, races. So I've, got a quest- I've got a question good. for you all. Where do you want to see horse race, like the future of horse racing? How do you want to see it evolve? I think you want to see it just turn into, you know, an equal, like near enough to 50-50. I mean, it's not yeah. all about meeting quotas in gender equality, but it's about everyone having the same opportunity. So I don't, you don't want things taken away from men, but you want women to have the same opportunity. So every race doesn't have to have 50-50 gender split. It's just on the average that's what you want to see. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think just giving more opportunities, like allowing, you know, two, three spots for females to race in each event. Um, and same, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the Melbourne Cup be half-half, 50-50. You know, them, you know, the odds are in everyone's favour in that way, you know. Compared to when Michelle did it, she was one of, oh, I don't even know. 24. But 24, there you go. And I think some of them scratched out by the end of it mm. too. But, um, you know, at least that way you're not just going up against... 23 other blokes you're going up against you know 12 other females and you know males as well I'm not good at maths but you know what I mean I'd like to see a 50-50 kind of race and really just sort of see you know not saying females are better than males at jockey at riding horses at the moment we don't know that but I'd love to see a sort of uh, an event or at least one race where it's 50-50 and see who can who can master it up and you know but yeah I completely agree with you i want to see more opportunity given to, to women mm. and just on a side note i actually think gay waterhouse is a bit more inspirational you do there's a reasoning behind yep. that um she is 
I think she's incredible. The amount of horses she's been able to get in that top three positioning, and she's won, I think, two Melbourne Cups, three Melbourne Cups now. Um, she's won a co- heaps of Cox Plates, and, you know, she's the way she goes about it, she proves to the haters that, you know, she's not going away. She's just not another female. It's just, you know, training a horse how to run. Um, to me, she's just sort of the goat of female sport, of female racing at the moment, at the moment that is, um, purely because she's showing to all the other men in the training per section mm. that, um, you know, us females, we know how to direct a horse. We know how to do things. We know how to win and we know how to get things done. So I think at the moment I'm going with her, but mm. I know controversial. Both inspirational and amazing <laughs> ladies. Well, well, just a question about Gay Waterhouse because I don't know much about sport, but I have heard um, Tom of Tom Waterhouse. Is that her related yeah. related to? Yeah. The son, I think. Yeah. Son, as a family member of some yeah, sort. Yeah, so I feel like from that, because I know that that's like a gambling kind of... Yeah, he runs a bookmaking yeah. company. So I think for me, because I don't know much about her, I always associate associated the Waterhouse name with gambling. Um, so what do you kind of, going on that, what do you kind of think of the whole, um, the gambling culture of... Horse racing. Horse, horse oh. racing. It's huge in horse racing. It's probably one of the the one sport that gambling is more intensified than any sport. I think. Yeah, I think gambling is what makes racing survive. Yeah. People go to yeah. the races just to gamble, which I, is pretty sad. I know it is sad, but in 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 saying that, um, back to your point um, about um, about males and females are jockeys. Um, there was a study um, done by um, there was a fourteen year, st- year study by the University of Liverpool, and they studied fourteen seasons, and they found that when the quality of horse was factored in, um, there was little disparity between the performances of male and female riders. So basically, saying male and female riders they can compete and they can do everything. So 50-50, looking good. I think it's just about getting that message into the heads of the owners and yeah. the trainers of it's, horses. It's changing t- tradition. Yeah. And it's obviously, it's gonna, you're going to change tradition like small steps. You can't, it's not a leap, it's small steps. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. to end our discussion, I think we can all agree that horse racing needs females. We can all agree that this is the right time for horse racing to make a stance and allow more girls to come through because we've seen it in other sports and then somehow it's working. Um, we can all agree that Michelle Payne is an incredible jockey and we'd love to see her out riding some more horses, of course, and winning some more races. Um, I'm going to back in Gay Waterhouse at the moment, but... Um, <laughs> Another thing we can probably agree is gambling is a big part of horse racing. We're not we're not condoning gambling. Do whatever you want with your money. But what we're going to do say is be smart about it. Um, horse racing is more than just gambling. It, I know it, it, it's how it runs and it's everything about it. But if you want to get into horse racing, st- not study each event, but look at all the horses, look at their track record, and then you can get a good idea of who's generally in it and who's generally not. Yeah, I think so. learn about the sport outside of the gambling. Separate the two. If because you want to combine them, difference. it's fine. But the sport is good in itself. And, like, I fell in love with it when I was younger, just going and watching the horses. I fell in love with it besides the gambling. Like, yeah, I, I, before, fell, I, I was fell like, oh, in, yeah, love okay. in love with it when I started watching Saddle Club. What oh, a yeah. great <laughs> movie. Hello, world. <laughs> what a great movie. I, lo- I loved it. <laughs> Me too. Well, um, girls, do you think that if more girls are in horse racing, do you think that maybe it might change the culture and maybe people will actually just watch it for the sport rather than for all the other elements to it? I'd like to hope so. Um, you know, 
I watch AFLW because I want to see females play sport, f- football. You know, I want to watch horse racing because I want to see a, jo- a female jockey um, win a race. You know, so I hope the more females are getting it, the more people will watch it and not just have a gamble because yeah, they want to, you know, see them do something because that could be their future daughter or daughter-in-law or, you know. So, yeah, who knows, hopefully. All righty, guys, that wraps up our discussion. back after this short break with Sweaty Upper Lip. You're listening to The Ladies Edition. Welcome back to Sweaty Upper Lip. You are listening to our first episode. We're talking about horse racing and the lack of females that are in it. But it's now time for our Teach Me segment. We're going to be doing this every show where we get someone to come in and um, ask us questions about a specific topic. Obviously, we're talking about horse racing. So we've got Saskia in with us today. She is scared of horses, but um, she wants to learn more about horse racing and horses in general. So what are your questions for us today? Well, hopefully I can get over my fear from... These questions <laughs> might help. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, so next thing you know, you're a participating jockey in a few years at the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll sponsor you. It's fine. <laughs> so um, I heard you guys talking a little bit about uh, Darren. Why we- I think we we um, and how he was in the media recently. So what what's kind of the story with that? So. Darren Weir's been Victoria's most successful trainer for a little while now and really by quite a long shot. And just recently, uh, there was a big police investigation on him and they ended up finding jiggers in his possession, which are electronic devices that give um, electric shocks to... or They're used to give electric shocks to animals. Um, I think traditionally they were made to be used for like moving cattle and stuff like that, but some horse trainers and animal trainers use them sort of in like a like a classical conditioning thing where they like teach the horse that um, when they get zapped it makes them like run faster because they're scared of the thing and so then when it comes to a race so what they'll do is they'll jab them with the jigger when they're training and then that will teach them to run faster and be scared Am oh. I, no it yeah, makes yeah, no, sense. Yeah. sense so it's like for example like it's just trying to make the horse if, scared it, yeah to so, run faster yeah. mm. And then when they come to the race, then they'll do the same kind of motion as if they're going to do the jigger, but and the horse will associate that with the pain and it'll make them run faster in a race. So that's the kind of premise of jiggers. And then, so we was found with a few of these in his possession, which is, um, I guess, like illegal in the yeah, racing it's, it's rules. it's bending the rules of horse racing. You're not really supposed to hurt the horse in any way to help it win races or mm. go faster. That was um, a huge And that's standard. why he got busted, because of that. Yeah, oh, so okay. he's been banned um, it's only it's for a, a period of time. Um, I think it's like a couple of three years, years or something like yeah. that, and then he can come back. He, to had, the race. A, he yeah. had a few stables. He did, yes. yeah. So that's huge. Like he, um, he had well, hundreds of horses in his. And I think it's definitely going to change the culture of horse racing as well because it kind of just, um, well, it just demonstrates and shows other trainers that you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that clears up what jiggers were because I, when you were talking about it before, I was thinking it's a type of jockey. Oh. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, so I'm glad that's cleared up. Yeah. Jiggers um, is like a little, little jockey. <laughs> what are those little, like, <laughs> what are mini, mini people? Anyway. Uh, but that brings me to my next question, which is about um, a lot of people are anti horse racing because they think it's cruel. Um, I'm just wondering why, why do people kind of think 
think that about the industry. There's always that sort of conversation, you know, whether jockeys should whip horses during a, a, you know, a race, whether it's supposed to help the horse, whether it's hurting the horse. And I think this, this is going to continue to be a conversation that people are going to have and it's continually going to be a debate whether they should whip horses or not. And, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm really against it. I don't think they should be whipped. Just with your hands, sort of push the horse down to, to keep on going faster. But you, you know more about horse racing than what I do. What, what do you think about the whole whipping scandal, if it should be banned? Well, one of the main, one of the pros, I guess, of whips, like why jockeys have them, is a safety thing. Because obviously these are animals. They're horses and they're really strong. They're really heavy. And even though they're trained and I guess like domesticated um they are still they can take off and a whip is a sort of protection for a jockey that they can use to stop a horse from running off on them and putting its its own life and the jockey's life in danger um so that's one of the reasons that you do have do use whips but then obviously it's kind of a never-ending circle where then people are like well if these horses are so out of control like don't ride them and it just sort of carries on. You know, there's always that debate, it's hurting the horse as well. Yeah, but in the racing industry, they do, they are going to, like, great lengths to keep it as safe as possible. And, like, with the Darren Weir scandal, we saw how quickly they acted to ban him. There was almost, like, on the side of, like, presuming that he was guilty, um, which is, like, obviously not the general approach to, like, crime kind of stuff, but it is good when it comes to animal cruelty that they are taking it seriously and they don't want to take chances on letting someone who is being cruel to animals keep going in the industry. Okay, and what would you say to people who say they want to boycott the Melbourne Cup this year? Well, I think a lot of that is related to, because we do see, and unfortunately it's happened in a few Melbourne Cups recently where horses have broken their legs and had to be put down in the race. Um, It's really hard for a horse to recover from a broken leg, which is why they're usually put down, because it's not worth the pain and suffering of the horse to recover, because it could take months to recover and they literally can't move. And that's not something that horses enjoy doing. Um, But... I think overall, like if you look at how many horses there are in racing, the large majority are okay. And it's really disappointing when it happens in these main races when everyone's attention is on it. Because then it's the people who only turn on the TV to watch racing on that one day and they see this happen and think it happens all the time. But it doesn't. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. It, do- it doesn't happen every race. It doesn't happen every, you know, race day. Um the way I I think horses should have kind of a like a, a sort of a, span, a lifespan of racing, um, whether that be you know three years of racing, you know because all the horses so far the last couple of years that have been put down because of broken legs have sort of always been towards the the, the end of their careers. They're sort of getting a little bit more worn out and you know they're being pushed to the limits, and so that's why their their bodies are a bit more fragile and you know things have happened and they've gone a bit sour. And I think like my view on it is they should have you know two three years of racing and then once they've sort of reached their limit, you know go retire. Don't keep putting horses under all that pressure and then you know you get people they'll be like oh that horse should have retired last year oh look at mm. it it's been put down like that's sad and you know people are always yeah. going to have their opinions on it but I feel like that could be a one way to prevent horses sort of you know going down that path but yeah you know, and I suppose things happen also frequently as well like freaky little accidents as well stuff like that could happen. yeah well with that, that it's like horses can break their legs anytime obviously 
these are being trained they're like elite athletes um so they are being pushed a bit harder than your average like paddock horse but horses break their legs in paddocks as well um it's just a thing that happens and i think the critics of racing do kind of miss they don't know a lot about the love and care that goes on behind the scenes away from race day like these are people who get up at like all hours of the night and the morning to go take care of these horses and make sure they're okay and give them love and i think that's one of the things that sort of needs to be more um there needs to be a lot more information about it yeah knowledge around yeah it. i think people need to know more about how much because we always we like if you see the trainers whose horses have been put down they're always upset um, and so I think if we spread that around a bit more, then people will be more positive towards racing. Because they're not treated like an animal, they're treated like family. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe these people need to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, so I do have another question um, just about how, like, what are the different kinds of race lengths? Because I know that the Melbourne Cup is a certain length and then other races like um shorter or black, longer. the one that black caviar mm-hmm. does is a different one so how does that work and what horses get to do what what race um so like human running and like athletics um there's sprinting middle distance and long distance so black caviar was a sprinter so those races are usually like a thousand meters to 1200 meters like give a little um so they're usually your sprint races and I don't know exactly how it works, but kind of like humans, like some horses are just tend more towards, they're just speedier over a short distance and some are better at longer distances. Isn't there something around like the age group as well or the weight category as well for horses? I don't know. I read that somewhere, but I could be completely wrong. So um, don't quote me, people. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. No, but I do everyone think... Everyone quote money. <laughs> younger horses do like obviously tend to start running over shorter distances um and probably wouldn't run over like the longest distances until a few years into their career um so like the middle distance kind of races I guess is then like your 14 16 maybe 1800 meter races and that's what if you've heard of Winks who was the recent sort of champion horse she was uh like a uh, probably a 1600 to 2000 meter horse so that's kind of your middle distance racing and then you've got the Melbourne Cup, which is 3,200 metres or two miles. Um, and that's going on like the longer distance end. Um, and that's probably ma- the main race in- distances in Australia. When you go overseas, they do sometimes even longer ones, like 4,000 metre races. Um, but we crazy. don't really do them here. I've just got a quick question. How do jockeys qualify for these events? Like how is a jockey chosen? Uh, usually just by either the owners or the trainer of the horse. So it's very... So how are they measured in how good they are? Is it like if they win, is it results? I think it's very relationship-based. So, yeah. And contracts. It depends what people value. Like, yes, obviously winning races is always going to look good. Um, Winning big races (laughs) is always going to be a good thing when trainers and owners are looking for a jockey. But it's also like previous relationships, if they get along with their personality, um, all sorts of factors. And how much do jockeys actually have to weigh to compete? I think Taylor knows his answer. Yeah, I read it was uh, 54 kilos. <laughs> and like in talking about like women and men, wouldn't it be easier for women to... Yeah, because um, they got smaller bodies. But... Yeah, just smaller frame and like, so wouldn't it be easier for, to have more female jockeys? 
Yeah, I think some people are saying that they think women eventually will become more dominant uh, numbers-wise in racing because it is way easier for them to maintain the lower weights. Um, so 54, I think, would be about like the average weight uh, in racing. Each horse in a race is assigned a particular weight. So you can have like handicap races where they get you know, better horse, better horses get a higher weight and the worse horses get a lower weight to try even out the field. Or you can have weight for age races where each horse gets a certain weight depending on uh, the, their age. What happens if the jockey's overweight? Because don't they weigh in before the race? Yeah, they weigh in before the race. Um, and, and after the race as well. And after the race to make sure there's no difference. Mm. Um, horses, uh, no jockeys taken anything either. Occasionally mm. jockeys will be allowed to ride over the weight if it's like sort of pre-announced, but they get fined, I think. Um, mm. I'm not sure how it works, whether wins can be taken away. I assume they can if it's some sort of dodgy... If it's really bad, they can, but normally it's just sort of a fine. Yeah. And is there a height minimum or is is it just the weight? Just the weight. So there are actually right now, there's like a couple of tallest jockeys that I am sort of aware of. And I know there was one, um, Dylan Dunn, who's the son of a Dwayne Dunn, who's been quite a good jockey here. And he took a few years off racing because he is quite tall and was just finding it impossible to get his body down to the right weight. How can you stay 54 kilos and less? That is... I, I can't even just imagine that. Yeah. No cheat days, obviously. <laughs> they spend... I know there are stories of... I think Michelle Payne even has... Like, she's talked about just days, even, like, days of races in the morning, just spending hours in a sauna, just sweating off as much weight as you can. I think people out there don't really realise how hard it is to be a jockey. Yeah. And what they actually have to go through. It's to a lot of sacrifice. Race. It I is, think. it is. And I think now, like, by people listening to this, they'll actually know that it's not an easy job. No, I agree. Do you have any more questions? Um, well, just going back to the discussion earlier about women in sport, do you think that one of the barriers um, that prevents, that's prevented women in the past from kind of breaking into the industry is because there's a lot of, like, nepotism in the jockey industry, like... A lot of fathers and sons kind of it sort of runs in the family kind of thing yeah I think so I think that goes along the line of the tradition thing where it has been traditionally a men's thing so then it becomes traditionally like men teach their sons about horse racing they take them along to the track with them they I don't know maybe put them up on a horse with them um so yeah absolutely well, thanks for joining us uh, on Sweet Upper Lip for the Teach Me segment. I hope you learnt some stuff. Yeah, I hope I might ride a horse one day, but me- baby steps. Baby steps. Maybe <laughs> ride a pony first. And then jump on a horse. And But go to, go to the Melbourne Cup or any horse racing event first and then so you can familiarise yourself with the whole race day events and then have fun doing something else. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us on our first episode. Next week we'll be back. We're going to be covering another whole lot of issues in we're going swapping sports. We're going to NRL. So we're going to tackle the rugby debate and why there's not a lot of females in it. Why here in Victoria it's more AFL um, dominated compared to NRL and why Sydney, obviously Queensland and New South Wales are more rugby dominated. So stay tuned for that. But thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Well done. Thank and, you so uh, much. Thanks, we'll, hear, we'll hear from you guys in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you.